Welcome back to the podcast. I have really been enjoying making content about sex, so I'm going to continue. And today I just felt called to speak and show up. And this is probably also in part because I'm talking about something I'm quite passionate about and I'm having people respond to me like no other content that I've put out there before. I'm having so many people just willingly being open and vulnerable and sharing their experiences and asking for guidance. And I'm in awe at these people for being so open and so willing to create change. So today I wanted to talk about the idea of it's not working for me in the bedroom. So maybe your your sex drives don't match, like your libido is high and your partner's libido is low. Maybe it's the frequency of how often you're having sex or you're a bit bored of the same old thing. And I'd like to get into also effort and motivation because that was one of the two main reasons why people struggle in the bedroom is that there's a lack of effort either on their behalf or on their partner's behalf. So we'll get into that a bit later. But first off, I want to talk about mismatched libidos. So if you haven't already listened to the previous podcast I did on sex, I would highly recommend that you listen to it because it's all about understanding why your libido or your sex drive, if that's what you like to call it, is the way it is, and also why your partners might be the way theirs is. And so it all comes down to, or one of the things it comes down to, is the context of your current situation, your current life, mentally and externally as well, as emotionally too. So I won't get into that because I've already talked about it, but the next stuff I want to talk about is the frequency of sex. So... Obviously, if you're someone who has a really sensitive accelerator, which is your sexual excitatory system, if you have a very sensitive accelerator, it's going to be very easy for you to want sex and then therefore very easy for you to have the drive to chase sex, right? So you're probably, and not always, but you're probably the person who at least wants to have sex often. And if you're someone who has a sensitive break, but your accelerator isn't very strong, then you're going to put on the brakes a bit more, you're going to put up the walls, you're not going to want to make as much effort. And this is actually, this happens quite a lot over time, obviously as the context of your life changes, but it also happens a lot between partners. The great, beautiful thing about the partners that we choose is that they tend to be the opposite of us, right? And so this is a huge, this is reflected hugely in the bedroom, there's usually often one partner that always wants sex more and there's often a partner that is not not wanting it but not chasing it or not always wanting to have sex. So I actually had someone message me after listening to the previous podcast um, 
and I'll read out what they said. Just finished listening to your podcast. Awesome stuff. What you're saying on context is massive. My partner is often more stressed than me because they work a lot and they work hard, but it means that they won't want to have sex in the state which in that state, sorry, which sometimes doesn't align with me and my needs and I'm struggling to have that conversation. So I've met, I've messaged her already and we've had a chat and I'm very excited to see how her conversation goes. Um, but what I wanted to say and what I have said to her is it is all in how you bring it up. So a great example is that I don't always feel the drive to have sex. And this is definitely dependent on the context of my life for sure and how frequently my need for um connection is being met how fulfilled I feel in my career and so if my husband is to complain that we're not having sex enough in his eyes or get use emotions like frustration and anger which are completely valid but when they're directed at me for sex, it makes me want sex less because it makes me feel pressured. Suddenly I am responsible for his needs being met. I'm the only, it feels like the, I'm the only thing responsible for his needs being met. And when you're met with such intense emotions, it's hard not to take it personally so how you bring this conversation up is important and that's not to put extra pressure on you but I stand by the compliment sandwich but I don't use compliments so how I would approach that situation is I would say for example if my partner has been working really long and hard hey I can we can we talk for a moment? Do you have a spare moment? I'd love to have a chat with you. We sit down. I can see how busy you've been lately and you've been working really hard. I see that you're stressed and you've been going through a lot. I first of all actually want to acknowledge how hard you have been working and I'm totally here for you. I also have noticed because you have been busy that we haven't been having sex as often or perhaps it's something like I'm always the one to initiate it or things like that and it's making me feel disconnected from you or it's making me feel upset because this is something that is really important to me to have sex with you at this frequency and from there it's easy to ask, so what is the shared solution? How can we respect your needs and mine at the same time? And you're coming to that conversation with just the utmost respect, the utmost love and calm. And it doesn't always mean that the response you get is going to be 
reciprocated in the same state that you're putting that out there. But that's okay. Because it is a charged subject. And this is why people struggle to have this conversation is because it is a hard conversation to have and nobody tells you how to do it. So that's where I would start personally. And I know any time that I've had this conversation, not about just about sex, but about other areas of life with Chaz, it has been so pivotal to not only finding the solution and clearing the air, but actually connecting us. Because at the end of the day, and I'm thinking of one situation in particular, at the end of it, I still remained calm, even though I could observe that my feelings were being hurt and that my husband was very angry and trying to, trying to, not intentionally, but trying to, you know, heighten the situation because I remained calm and I brought it back to the main purpose, which is what is the solution? Because I had already validated his feelings, because I had already acknowledged his struggles and acknowledged his strengths. And because I had remained quite stoic to a degree, we came around. And we, not only that, he was so there was shame for sure for the way that he felt, but I did everything that I could to not shame him for his emotional reactions, for how he was feeling, for his perspective on the situation. And from memory, we made love after. And it was like our relationship had just taken this lateral move into a more healthy, connected relationship. That was like, for me, that felt like a pivotal point. I also want to point out when it comes to the frequency of sex and, you know, making effort for sex, it's oftentimes we palm our responsibility for having our sexual needs met by our partners. And that's a quite a heavy burden to bear. That's a heavy burden to bear when you're talking about love even. If you're trying to get all your love and connectedness from one person, that is asking a lot of someone. That is draining. And I, like all I'm imagining is someone pulling at a chain and just trying to pull what's on the other end of this chain and keep feeding it through and this chain is never ending and on the other end of the chain is your partner and they're just constantly like oh almost in this dead state because they're constantly having this life pulled out of them and that's not to say that you're doing that intentionally but that's what it can feel like it can feel so heavy to have all this responsibility for one person. So coming back to the sex realm, you have to remember that we are responsible for meeting our own needs first. We are responsible for communicating these needs. And if you're here listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume that you actually already know this stuff. I'm just repeating things that you've probably already told yourself. 
And at some point you have to go, how am I responsible for meeting my own needs now? Or if your partner is the one who is constantly asking you, it's important to tell them how you feel. Perhaps you feel suffocated because you feel like you're the only sole responsibility for that person. And that's where masturbation comes in. And depending on how you were brought up, there could be some shame around that that needs to be released before you move into that space and you actually feel comfortable in that space. But at the end of the day, it's all about taking action. If you just action the masturbation and don't think about it too much, at the end of it, you'll be like, oh man, that was great. It's actually the deepest form of self-love because you um, are giving yourself affection, physical affection. You're spending time with yourself in a meditative state. You're in tune with your body. You're checking in with how does that feel? Does that feel good? What can I try? You're going to be more explorative the more that you do it because you are alone. And at the end of the day, when we're alone, we're more likely to do more, try more things. So if you need permission, this is me giving you permission. Okay? (laughs) Cool. The next thing I wanted to address was I had someone write into a poll that I had done and I had asked what's what's the main struggle in the bedroom right now and this person had wrote in that you know they'd been together for a certain amount of time and they've actually it's the same thing that it's the same old thing and that's not working for them and what it's What it's important to point out is that some people can just do the same old thing and still enjoy it and get the most out of it. And those people are going to be less likely to change things up if they're still enjoying it. Why, where would, why would they do that? (laughs) So the issue was not necessarily just that it's the same old thing it was how to communicate that so the conversation example that I gave before is great to use that for this example another thing particularly because you want to bring in and try new things you have to be specific about what it is that you want especially if you've been together for a certain amount of time and they're just used to the things that they think that you like even between partners sexual partners that have been in different relationships before when they come together sex can actually be a little confusing because the male counterpart or one of the counterparts won't actually understand. I'm just talking about from my experience here. So the male counterpart doesn't always play with you in the same way or initiate or um, touch you in the same way that other partners have because they've had a different experience with their other partners. They figured out what their other partner is into. And so coming to 
this relationship or sexual experience with you, they're going to think, hey, that worked last time. I'm sure this person likes that, which sometimes works to a degree, but it's it's going to be a hit and a miss. So you, you have to, and this is why masturbation is so fantastic, because you have to understand actually what you like in order to express that to the other person. And you do have to be clear and it doesn't mean that they're going to get it right even if you are specific. This is where you have to have patience and compassion for the other person even though it's frustrating. And even in the moment, finding ways to speak up in a way that isn't demeaning because anytime that we are rude or demeaning or we say, I don't like that during a sexual experience, it can actually ignite shame within the other person and it's going to make them less likely to want to actually action that again or try again or even sometimes have sex again. I know that was a situation that was off-putting for me. I had come on to Chaz in a really aggressive way because I was just feeling the heat of the moment and I looked at his face and he looked petrified and I was like, are you are you okay? And it took, it took us out of the, it took me out of the moment really. And, you know, even though he didn't say anything, the look on his face definitely put me off initiating sex for a while, for a very long time, actually, because I felt as though I felt shame because it was, wasn't something that I had done before, but it was actually genuinely natural. So another way that you can bring up this conversation is something that I have done in the past and recommended in the past, which is the boundaries quiz that I've created. So it's a boundaries quiz and a yes, no, maybe list. So you'll find this in the show notes of this episode and you'll also find it in my Instagram bio you'll see free boundaries quiz, yes, no, maybe list. Click on it. It's a Google form. It will stay completely anonymous. And the answers, they can be anonymous or you can choose to have me share them with um, an upcoming masterclass that I've got coming up. But pretty much what you're discovering in the boundaries quiz is what is on the cards and what is off the cards. So the first question is about your relationship in general. What is on the cards and what is off the cards? What do you find as monogamy? What do you define as not monogamy, cheating, not cheating? And the second part of the quiz is figuring out what is a yes or a maybe in your sexual bucket. And that's the fun part because there's things on that list that you, you may have never even considered before or don't even know what it is and you might have to look it up, which is completely fine because that's exactly where I was. And then once you go through that list, you, you go, oh, maybe I am into that, but you haven't tried it yet. And so first of all, this quiz is like, <laughs> this quiz is like masturbation. You, you get to spend time with yourself and actually figuring out what makes you tick, what feels good, what sounds great. And then you can 
ask your partner or your sexual partner to do the same thing. So get them to fill it out. Or even just go through the quiz with them or make it a date night and you each do the quiz and you just get to have a conversation about it. You don't even have to actually submit the quiz then to that degree. If you have it up on a laptop and you're having a glass of wine and you have some cheese and crackers, you're going through the lists and you go, oh, butt plugs. No, that's a no for me. And then they might go, oh, really? And it immediately opens up the conversation. So I implore you to have that conversation and to use that free boundaries quiz as a conversation opener because I have had feedback from that that it actually has opened up so many conversations with so many people and it makes me so happy. I love that. I absolutely love it. Now I want to move on to effort and motivation in the bedroom. So a lot of the time, even if you do have a sex drive that is high, and so in that's a like colloquial term for it, if I want to stay with what I said last podcast, I'm talking accelerators and brakes. So if you have a very strong accelerator and a very weak brake, you're going to be more desirous and into sex, which may mean that it requires less effort for you to initiate, but that is not always the case. And so I am talking to all people in this regard, not just people that um, are motivated or feel motivated to initiate sex all the time. It's also important for you to try to understand your partner to some degree because as soon as we lack understanding, we lack compassion and then we lack the ability to have these free-flowing conversations to find a solution. So motivation actually doesn't come on its own. It's not it's also like inspiration. It doesn't just always come out of thin air. And I know that Einstein has been quoted, I'm pretty sure, as saying like the idea for something that he created came out of nowhere. And sometimes it feels that way, but it's not always the case. So Dr. Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist or he is a researcher in neuroscience, either way, same thing. He actually found that within our brains, we require action first in order to be motivated. So an analogy he uses is of a deer. So a deer wakes up in the morning and it starts sniffing in the air because it's thirsty. It's had however many hours sleep and it doesn't think I'm thirsty. It just follows the feeling. So it it starts moving. It starts walking and it starts sniffing out, seeing which direction it can go until finally it stumbles across the water. And they're like, oh, water. Cool. That's what I needed. They drink it. And that is the exact same for motivation. So 
it's not necessarily knowing the goal. It's not necessarily knowing that you need the water. It's just taking action steps and figuring it out along the way. And eventually, if you take enough action steps, that motivation will come. It's also about the right action steps too. Like for instance, if you're trying to be more motivated to have sex, if you're going to watch, if your action step is like, I'm going to go watch a movie and then you go watch a movie about dead puppies, that's probably not a very productive action step. And unless you're some kind of masochist, you're probably not going to be turned on by that. So what action step can you take that can move you towards being motivated? Something else I forgot to add when it came to the idea that sex is boring or that sex is repetitive, it's the same old thing, is understanding desire. So, and this also comes back to any relationship that we have, love needs time and connection. Desire needs space and freedom. Desire needs mystery. So if you are spending a lot of your downtime together, if you're spending a lot of your downtime both doing the same old thing, even if that's separately, if you're spending a lot of downtime, if your life is repetitive and boring, that's going to be reflected in your in the bedroom unless you're making concerted effort to mix things up. So when we want to create desire, and this also comes down to, you know, motivation as well. This could be an action step towards creating motivation for effort to have sex or initiate sex. Creating desire by creating space. So I know that love needs connection. Trust me, my love language, my main love language is quality time. I need that connection. I need to have conversations, deep conversations. But I also understand that creating that 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 space where you might feel a bit of anxiety, but that's okay. The anxiety can also be seen as excitement if you frame it correctly within your mindset. Create mystery. Maybe you've made plans and your partner goes, oh, I thought we'd do a movie night tonight. In that moment, you need to ask yourself, what do I need more right now? Or what does our relationship need more right now? Does it need more love and connection truly? Or does it need to be spiced up a little bit? Do we need a bit of desire? And so from there, you can make that decision. And you might be like, actually, I've got plans tonight, but I plan on coming home to you. So I'll see you at this time. If they choose to stay home. And 
going out and doing something different or new, or even if it's something that you used to do, which is making space from your partner and just living your life separately to them and you coming back with that energy and that fire of, I just had so much fun or that was that was weird and interesting and I have so much to share. Bringing that energy back into the house, regardless of how they're feeling, you're probably going to feel great. And that's if you've listened to your body. You know, that's if you've left when your body was like, yep, I'm, I'm feeling good. It's time to go. And that could be the action that you needed to be motivated to get into the mood. And when, when you come home and you are just like this lit up person who isn't needy and is just on top of the world and you're, you're sharing that energy with your partner and you're being playful and curious, that is the perfect energy of desire. That's what it is. It's play without being silly. It's curiosity with the body. It's feeling into the body. It's relaxing into the body. And this is why a lot of people lean towards alcohol to have sex. I'm going to lay it down for you. So I'm not advocating for it all the time. I'm not advocating for it at all, actually, but you are more than welcome to make your own choices. However, if what I'm about to say, if you can do that without assistance, you have unlocked the code, my friend. You have got the keys in your hand. You can throw them away because you know exactly what to do. So alcohol is a depressant which does not mean that it makes you feel depressed. And I think a lot of people get that wrong. It can, for sure, depending on the mental state that you're in. But what it actually means when we say that alcohol is depressant is that it depresses your nervous system. And your nervous system is that part of you that will tell you whether you're going into fight or flight. Sorry, my alarm's going off. And so if that part of you is relaxed, your whole body becomes relaxed. You feel safer to be in your body. You feel loose. You feel like you can move. And, you know, a lot of people who end up on the dance floor in clubs, they feel the need to be super drunk because when they are super drunk, they are so in their bodies that they just don't care. They are not in their mind They are not thinking about the future, thinking about the past. They are just completely present. And that is the key to enjoying the moment. I am so diving into that in a later episode. Let me know if anything in this episode helped you at all, I would actually love to hear more stories as sometimes as, as heartbreaking as it can feel to hear some stories from some people or as exciting as it can be, any which way it is 
perfectly perfect. (laughs) However you need to express yourself. I think it's important for your story to be heard. That doesn't mean that my inbox is open to people venting all their problems to me. That is not what I'm saying at all. But, you know, if this sparked something within you and you've got a curiosity for more, I would love to hear from you. And you never know when the thing that you say might actually help somebody else. Like the people that messaged me, I've shared their story anonymously, completely anonymously. I didn't even say what gender they were. And it's going to help people. It's probably helped you right now. So please do not be afraid to reach out to me in that regard. However, I will not coach you through DMs. I will most probably give you like a little tool, but I will not coach you because that is my paid job. (laughs) Okay. So if there's a lot going on that, you know, these podcasts just aren't hitting the mark and that boundaries quiz isn't hitting the mark and that free masterclass I'm doing soon isn't hitting the mark, then reach out to me. We can have a call and we can see if one-on-one coaching is for you. I'm more than happy to be completely transparent with if I can or cannot help you, how much I'm charging, what the sessions look like. I'm a completely open book because that's what I want from the people that I reach out to. So that's what I want to give. All right. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, whatever that looks like. I hope this helped you to some degree. And thank you so, so much for sitting through my passionate rambles that sometimes don't have linear storytelling (laughs) I jump all over the shop and and in the beginning the way I speak can be a little all over the shop as well while I'm warming up so I appreciate you for listening all the way through and if you feel called to do so I would love for you to rate my podcast and give me some feedback on the topics if there's anything that you want to hear and I will see you next time